Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Hi everybody, this is Carol Topp from Homeschool CPA back with another episode of the Dollars and Cents show here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. You know, I'm not the only person out there podcasting about homeschooling. I podcast in particular to homeschool leaders, but there's a lot of great podcasts over at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network that you might want to check out. Um, Something else out there might be wonderful to help you in your personal homeschool journey as you homeschool your children. We've got podcasts for folks who are just starting out, folks who have high schoolers, folks who are preparing kids for college. We've got just home podcasts for those of you that just need a shot in the arm or some encouragement or some advice from people who've been doing homeschooling for a long time over at Vintage Homeschoolers. You're going to love some of the podcasts that are over there. So take a, take a little bit. Download some of them onto your iPhone or your whatever you listen to podcasts. You don't have to be stuck to your computer. I listen to podcasts a lot on my telephone. And you might find some very encouraging podcasts over at Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. But today I want to talk about something I talk a lot about, and that's tax-exempt status from the IRS. I'm doing Throwback Thursday podcasts, which are questions I have been asked in the past, but they're still relevant today, and I still need to answer them today because new people are coming into the homeschooling leadership roles all the time. You know, new groups, homeschooling groups are forming as homeschool grows across the United States and even across the world now. And um, some of these leaders are just overwhelmed with the with the questions and the answers that, that they don't know about. So this is um, a podcast episode where I'm going to answer this question about does a nonprofit need to file any tax returns before they actually apply for tax exempt status? The answer is yes, you do. So let me explain. First of all, if your homeschool organization is a nonprofit, meaning you have a board and not a profit motive, meaning you're not owned, you're not a business, okay? If you're a nonprofit, that's who I'm talking to, and you do not have tax exempt status, then yes, you should be filing tax returns. Okay, that was a previous episode I had about do we even need to have 501c3 tax-exempt status? Well, if you don't, then maybe a different tax-exempt status might help you or basically you got to be paying taxes. That's the bottom line. So should you be filing any tax returns before you apply for tax-exempt status? Yes, you should. Um, What tax return you file can be a little confusing. Uh, You and I would probably have to talk about that, whether you're a corporation and you file that tax return, whether you're a, a a business owned by, you know, like a sole proprietorship owned by one individual or whether you're a partnership. kind of gets very confusing. But say you're a non-profit and you plan to apply for tax-exempt status, you just haven't gotten around to doing it yet. You know you're busy. You're homeschooling your own kids. You're running this homeschool group. You're just trying to get it off the ground. Fine. So you're probably thinking, well, we'll apply for tax-exempt status sometime in the future, sometime next year. (laughs) Um, But let me warn you that the IRS does say they want your organization to be filing... uh, returns they're going to they're called information returns for nonprofits okay cuz nonprofit tax exempt organizations don't pay taxes so they're not 
tax returns, they're information returns. I'm just being real picky there, but okay. But the IRS wants you to file information returns even before you officially apply for tax-exempt status. Is that crazy or confusing or what? <laughs> this is, uh, I don't know. It's kind of confusing. So let me break this down a little bit. The IRS website says this. An organization that claims tax-exempt status under Section 501A, and 501A is part where it lists all the 501C types underneath it. Okay. Uh, so an organization that claims tax-exempt status but has not yet received an IRS letter recognizing your tax-exempt status is generally required to file an annual exempt organization return. What in the heck does that mean? Okay. What the IRS is trying to say is that they, you need to either be filing a tax return and paying taxes or filing an annual exempt organization return before you apply while your application is pending with them and definitely annually after you have been granted tax exempt status with the IRS. Got that? So it's like a before, during, and after. <laughs> oh my word. Okay. That can be a little confusing, which is why for the most part, I encourage groups pretty much after you form, start working on that tax exempt application right away. Don't let it lag for a year or two. You could run into this difficulty of, oh my gosh, I didn't know I was supposed to tell be telling the IRS annually, you know, what my organization was up to and now I'm late and there may be penalties involved. Yep, there might be penalties involved if you are late in filing these annual exempt organization returns. They're called the Form 990. Okay, they come in, this is the annual form that all tax-exempt organizations file with the IRS, the 990. They come in different forms, variations. One is the 990, it's a big long one for large organizations if you have gross revenues of over $200,000 a year. That's quite a bit of money for most homeschool groups. Most homeschool groups might file the 990EZ, that's if your gross revenues are between 50000 and 200000 a year. It's kind of a small to medium-sized tax-exempt organization. Or a small organization can file the new, new-ish, it's about three years old now, uh, Form 990N. That's what the uh, IRS calls their electronic postcard. So that's the, the kind of the good news, is at least the form that you have to file could be relatively simple if you're small enough, meaning under your gross revenues are under $50,000 a year. Gross revenues, by the way, means the total income that you bring in, like look at your checkbook register, add up all the deposits, okay? It's not what you have left over in the bank. Um, it's, it's the total money that you bring in from all your sources. If that is less than $50,000 a year, your organization needs to be filing an annual report with the IRS called the 990N. Now, filing the 990N is really easy. It's uh, only eight questions long. I have uh, plenty of information over at homeschoolcpa.com about the 990N. So hop on over there or look for this podcast show notes, which you can find at homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast. This is show number 137 called does a nonprofit need to file a tax returns before tax exempt status. 
kind of long title. <laughs> anyway, show number 137, you can find the show notes um, and find more information about the 990N and how to file it, what it's asking for, eight questions, It'll take you 10 minutes, once a year, not a problem. That's if you're already in the IRS database because you filed for tax-exempt status and you have the nice letter to prove it. Then it's pretty easy to just answer the IRS eight questions. And their eight questions are things like, what's your name? <laughs> what's your address? What's your employee identification number? Did you bring in less than 50000 a year? Are you still alive? That's about it. Name of one human being, an officer. So, see, not too bad at all. They don't ask for financial information on that 990N. It is literally a tiny postcard electronically you file it online only just to say my small organization still exists we're still alive we're still kicking and we're still small okay the problem is if you have started your organization got an employer identification number or maybe got incorporated in your state even but you've delayed getting tax exempt status and you were supposed to be filing these annual reports with the irs every year and you haven't been and the problem is you're not in the irs database for exempt organizations, the IRS doesn't know about you. So that's a little more complicated. You have to actually figure out how to get in that IRS database to even file the 990N. And I have instructions on how you do that. Again, the show notes will explain that. Or uh, I have a blog post called How to Get Added to the IRS Database to File Your 990Ns. Uh, it, it involves calling the IRS and giving them some information and um or if your organization is really tiny, like less than $5,000 a year in gross revenues, and you don't have to officially file, you can self-declare your tax-exempt status, but you still have to be filing these annual exempt organization returns, that 990N electronic postcard, or the IRS will revoke your tax-exempt status. And that would be very bad because that means you have to pay taxes, and we don't want that. So... The question for this podcast is, does a nonprofit need to file any tax returns before they apply for tax-exempt status? And the answer is yes. So don't delay too long in, in applying for tax-exempt status because you may miss some deadlines. And if you miss these deadlines, uh, there may be penalties. Now, for the 990N, if you're late in filing or if you miss two years in a row, there are no penalties. Thankfully, whew, the IRS is a little forgiving there. If you're larger and you were supposed to be filing the 990EZ, that's if you have more than $50,000 in gross revenues, then there are penalties if you didn't file on time. Ooh, dear. Yeah. Uh, daily penalties. So, it, you know, I guess here's what the IRS probably figures. You're a larger organization. You're more than $50,000 a year. You ought to be, you know, um, understanding some of the responsibilities involved with dealing with that much money, bringing in that much money and running an organization. So yeah, you kind of got to do your due diligence. <laughs> so anyway, that's a little much for you to, to take in. So, you know, absorb it, listen to this again, talk to your board members, but probably hop on over to homeschoolcpa.com and get a copy of my book called the IRS and your homeschool organization, because that book does talk you through the advantages of tax-exempt status, the process to get it, but also some things like this, like, oh, uh, you know what? You're so, what you're supposed to be doing to maintain your tax-exempt status and also how you need to be um, filing some reports even while you before you apply and while your application might be pending. So, uh, you know, the timing of this is really important, and it's amazing how fast two years can go by. Two years is kind of a 
a magic uh, time frame with the IRS. Here's what I mean. The IRS will backdate your tax exempt status two years, uh, 27 months to be exact, if you apply for tax exempt status within 27 months. So I have an organization right now, we are buttoned up against that 27 month due date. It's, it's due uh, in a month or two. And we're hoping we get their tax exempt application in with the IRS um, before their 27 months expires or they're gonna owe back taxes. Yeah, because they haven't uh, moved quickly enough. So I guess uh, lesson learned here is don't wait too long to apply for tax exempt status. So again, my, my book, The IRS and Your Homeschool Organization, will help. Also, I do phone consultations. You can find out if you want to go to homeschoolcpa.com and go to the contact page. Contact me, Carol Top, and I can talk your organization through. Well, what do you need to be doing? Are you in trouble or do you just need to move now? <laughs> um, or do you not even want tax-exempt status and, and what that means? Um, it means you're going to pay taxes is ultimately what it means. And, and, you know, that might be okay for you. Some groups decide that. But I think the IRS has made it easier and faster and cheaper all the way around to file for tax-exempt status. So I think the benefits far outweigh the one-time fees and costs involved in getting it. So hope that's helpful. Make sure you um, tell other leaders in your in your area that might not know about some of these IRS requirements for their homeschool group about getting tax exempt status and things like that. Maybe they want to set up a phone call with me because they're not sure where their group stands or what they need to be doing. And I'm happy to help talk to homeschool leaders about that. So take care, everybody. I hope you are enjoying uh, getting ready for a next another school year and ramping up your homeschool group, doing things well, decently and in order and um, being very successful in meeting the needs of the homeschooling families in your area. You're doing great work. Keep it up. Thank you for joining the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with Carol Topp here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. For more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.